Hey guys, it's Dr. Childs here. Today we are going to be discussing low estrogen. We're going to be talking about the symptoms associated with uh, low estrogen. And then we're also going to be discussing um, how to treat it, um, what, what you should do if you fall into this category. Um, so let's, let's jump in here. We're going to talk about first the importance of estrogen. Now, most women know that estrogen is really important. Um, I probably don't have to spend a lot of time convincing you of that. Um, but I do think it's important to talk about just how important it is. And we can do that by talking about um, what it is in general and then what systems it affects. And so estrogen um, is a sex hormone. Um, it's in both men and women, um, but it, it tends to be in higher amounts in women. Um, and it plays an important role in regulating several systems. Um, and the interesting thing about estrogen, in both men and women, by the way, is that it's the absolute amount is not so important um, so much as the ratio of estrogen to other sex hormones is in your body. And so in that way, your, there's been a, a clever system that's been devised um, in which each individual woman and man um, requires a certain amount of um, estrogen in order to be to be at an optimal sort of quality of life or, or state of living. Um, and so as we talk about this, I don't when we talk about low estrogen, numbers become more more relevant, but for high estrogen, um, they're not quite as um, quite as important. So just stick that in the back of your mind as we discuss this stuff. So so what does it actually do? What, is, what does estrogen actually do? Um, probably perhaps one of the most important things um, is probably not one of the most uh, interesting things actually. Um, and estrogen tends to uh, keep your heart young and healthy. Okay. And so what happens is as estrogen declines, um, your risk of cardiovascular disease goes up. So after, after menopause, women have a much higher risk of cardiovascular disease, such as um, a heart attack or myocardial infarction. And it's important to say that, um, but generally that doesn't get people really motivated to look at their estrogen because they tend to care more about the things that um, impact their cosmetic features or those things that they can see right in front of them, okay? And so generally when we talk about that, just realize that that yes, estrogen um, is incredibly important, but there's, there's some things that you might say, oh, I'm more interested in that than I am in its ability to you know protect your heart. But obviously we care about how how it protects your heart because that's one of the the highest uh, causes of mortality in the United States is, is heart disease. And so we want to avoid that if we can. Now, now having said that, some of the other things that might get you interested is the fact that estrogen helps regulate metabolism and body weight. Okay, and this is a this is a big one. I would say perhaps the most important um, um, uh, issue that many women face is has to do with um, their body weight um, in some way or another, either the way they, they look, the way they feel, or whatever that is. And so it is a really important factor to consider. Um, and we'll talk about the connection between estrogen and weight gain a little bit later in here, but I just want to want to prime you, um, you know, prime your brain just to, to put that there. Um, the second thing is estrogen helps regulate bone density. Um, again, most people know about this one. Um, as estrogen declines, your your bones become more brittle. You get osteopenia and osteoporosis at a higher frequency than you would if you were uh, menstruating regularly. Estrogen also tends to have an impact on brain function. Um, and what happens is when there's altered levels of estrogen, women tend to get to have much higher rates of anxiety and depression, um, brain fog, things like that. Um, and, and again, this is another one that you really we really need to put more emphasis on because this has a lot to do with your quality of life. Um, chronic depression, chronic anxiety, these are not things that you want to live with um, on a day-to-day -day basis, and yet this is something that 
that estrogen helps control. Um, libido and sex drive is another big one. And um, when we talk about the things that people care about the most, it's usually body weight, um, sex drive, um, and then a couple of other things relating to cosmetic appearance. But libido and sex drive is, a is absolutely um, managed, at least in part, by estrogen. Um, obviously, testosterone plays a role in there as well, but um, it's very important. I would say even for, I would say for, it's important for women, but probably even more important for men. And, and I'm talking about estrogen's ability to impact libido here. So um, put that in the back of your mind as well. This is also one of the reasons that, that women have um, decreased sex drive is, uh, after menopause. Um, and in fact, I've seen many women that just do not have an interest in it at all until we get their hormones back in balance and then, you know, it just comes right back. Um, appetite is another thing that's controlled by estrogen. So craving specifically, the types of food that you want to eat, um, your your the the cravings that you may get for for salty foods or things like that these are driven at least in part by estrogen and then of course fertility that's that's a big one as well that that um, uh, can catch people's attention so just remember uh, estrogen is helping to regulate all of these major systems in your body and these aren't the only ones um, the reason is that estrogen receptors exist on many 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 cells in your body um, they're on fat cells cardiovascular cells etc or cardiac cells and so um, what happens is any place that there's a receptor uh, in your body for estrogen the estrogen molecule can attach on it uh, and create some change in the cell and the production of some um, enzyme or some protein and that's where all of these benefits come from um, but when we talk about estrogen we need to be really specific um, and, and the reason is estrogen isn't really a hormone by itself it's it's more of a, a way that we use to describe a class of hormones so think of Think of estrogen not as a uh, individual hormone by itself, but a description for a lot of different compounds that all influence that estrogen receptor that I was previously uh, referring to. And so estradiol is generally the hormone that people refer to as estrogen. Okay, So if you ever hear somebody saying, well, you need estrogen, they're probably referring to estradiol. And estradiol is um, the most potent estrogen in the body. Now, there are many, many other estrogens. The three most important that, that we, will, we will stick to today would be estradiol, estrone, and estriol. Okay, and so these all have slightly different effects at the cellular level and how they impact, um, impact your cells and, and what they do in your body. But just realize uh, for today's conversation that we're talking specifically about estradiol. Um, and so if you ever hear your doctor saying your estrogen is low, this is probably what they're talking about because most people are not actively and routinely checking for estriol and estrone. Um, you, you can check some of these in the serum, but it's probably more efficacious to, or uh, you get more value, I should say, um, when you look look at it in the urine. So generally, doctors aren't frequently ordering um, urinary tests of your hormones, so you're probably just not going to be checking those things very much. So let's talk into, or let's let's jump into the, the next section, which is the symptoms associated with low estrogen. And there are a lot of them, okay? And I want to I want to talk about low estrogen because I think we need to I think we need to put this into context. So generally, what happens um, is this: women, um, sometimes men, but but I think most of the time women, they start to experience symptoms that make it so they know that they're not normal. Okay, and so what they do is they start, and this happens a lot. I'm not saying this is happening to you, but I, this is something I see frequently. And so they know something is off in their body. They're not exactly sure what, um, but they know something is off, and their intuition generally is telling them it, that it has something to do with their hormones. And by the way, they're they're absolutely right. I would say 
0.9% of the time. And so what this does is it leads them to learn more about the symptoms associated with changes high or low in these, in these hormone systems. And so if you're not really well versed on what estrogen does and how it works in the body, then you may not know that you, that you have low estrogen, but you, you're trying to search to figure out if that's what your issue is. But let me say this, low estrogen is not is nowhere near as common as high estrogen among women who are menstruating. Okay. So if you are a woman who is less than, let's say 40, there is a very low chance that the symptoms that you are experiencing now would be attributed to low estrogen. It's far more likely that those symptoms are related to high estrogen. And we're going to talk about that in a minute down here. Okay. Estrogen dominance versus low estrogen. What's the difference? But if you fall into that category, you're not sure. And you're just looking around to figure out what is, what is wrong with my body. And so if you're less than 40 and you're menstruating, this is probably not necessarily the information relevant to you. Now, it could be, we'll talk about it, but but it's just far more likely that, that your issue um, is related to high estrogen or estrogen dominance. So what kind of women tend to get low estrogen? Well, that's actually pretty easy. Um, the most common cause of low estrogen is menopause. And this is something that all women will go through um, in their life. Okay. And so eventually you will have low estrogen. It's just a matter of time. So the older you are, the much more likely it is that whatever problems you are experiencing or, or experiencing would be related to, um, low estrogen. So, so keep that in the back of your head. So what are the symptoms associated with this condition? Um, hot flashes would be one of, one of the most common that tends to be something that's associated with a rapid and sudden drop in estrogen levels. Hot flashes don't typically occur in the in the perimenopausal phase, although they could. So think of hot flashes with a dramatic and abrupt reduction in your estrogen. You have to go from a significantly high estrogen level like that is seen um, in menstruating women to something that is very low, such as that is seen in menopause. And so that's generally where hot flashes tend to appear. You can also have hot flashes if for some reason you had a, a chemical or a physical reason to go into early menopause. So chemical meaning or, or some sort of medication that you're taking that abruptly just drops your estrogen down to zero, you may experience hot flashes. Likewise, if you have your ovaries taken out or some sort of surgical operation, they can also drop in that way. And again, those are both sudden sudden and abrupt reductions um, or causes of abrupt reductions in estrogen. Another big one is weight, weight gain. So low estrogen is associated with weight gain, but the weight gain that it's associated with is primarily um, localized to your abdomen or your belly. So it's not the kind of weight gain that most women want, but that's the kind of weight gain that tends to come um, from low estrogen. Just realize too that the pattern and distribution of body fat on your body, or the, the pattern and distribution of fat on your body can give you a lot of insight as to what is causing it. Because certain hormones tend to cause uh, weight gain in different areas. So let me put this into context. High estrogen tends to cause weight gain in the breast, um, in, in the glute region or the butt, and then also the thighs. Whereas low estrogen tends to cause weight gain in the belly. So that's one way that you can distinguish between those two disorders. Um, another issue that women with low estrogen face is insomnia. This tends to come from the hot flashes or just uh, changes in the circadian rhythm and sleep cycle. So you can have a change in, in those two things as well. Warm flushes, which is really just a, um, let's just say a weaker version of a hot flash. You just feel that warm sort of flush into your skin. Uh, another interesting one that many women may not realize is that estrogen is protecting your, 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 your body from aging. Okay. And so what happens is as estrogen drops, you start to develop changes in your skin that no woman really wants to see, but changes such as increased wrinkles, um, you lose that sort of 
roundness to the skin and that has to do with the loss of subcutaneous fat so when you see like a young woman you'll see that she has the, the skin is skin almost has a glow to it um, that glow comes from from estrogen so that's more of the texture um, the the roundness of the skin comes from the underlying subcutaneous fat which is influenced by um, estrogen as well and then also the quality and texture of the skin uh, such as the production of collagen and elastin precursors, those come from estrogen as well. So you start to get changes in all those things. So the the more abruptly you drop estrogen, the more likely you the more likely you are to see these sort of effects of aging. Um, I, we already talked about that glow to the skin. So that's the glow that people see with with pregnancy. It's just a way to describe it. it. Just has to do with the texture. I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about. If you've seen a a woman, lots of women can just pinpoint it and they just know that a woman is pregnant because of this this change. Um, another issue is vaginal dryness. So what happens is you actually get a fair amount of atrophy in the vaginal lining, which reduces secretion production in that area. Um, and this causes dryness, which causes really painful intercourse. So these tend to go together as estrogen drops. Decreased libido, we already kind of talked about that. Low estrogen, low sex drive. Painful intercourse, that comes from the vaginal dryness. Um, and the good, the good news is you can fix these issues, but... Um, Generally, what, what I see, have I shouldn't say generally, but a fair amount, I see I see women that have decreased libido, um, and that may be a consequence of painful intercourse. So these can kind of go together. Uh, mood swings, we talked about the importance of brain function and estrogen and how those play a role. Depression, same thing. Headaches, you know that high estrogen can cause headaches and migraines. Low estrogen can result in headaches. Um, of course, if you have low estrogen, such as uh, what is seen in menopause, you're going to have changes to your menstrual cycle. You may experience irregular menstruation or other issues relating to that, which also might affect um, fertility. Um, and that, but again, if you're in menopause, it's not so much of an issue. But if you're younger, then it is. Again, uh, and uh, low estrogen can affect your energy and, and also cause fatigue. Due to the changes that occur in the vaginal lining from low estrogen, it can also increase your risk of developing urinary tract infections. And so what happens is it can shorten up and cause changes to the urethra, which allows just, it just makes it easier to develop infections. The good news is you can you can fix that issue quite easily with some topically or vaginally placed estrogen, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, the couple of last ones here, bone loss. Again, we already talked about that, won't, won't harp on that. And then of course, as estrogen drops, you have the increased risk of cardiovascular disease. I put that one at the bottom, even though it's perhaps the most important. Um, but just remember these things. So you have all sorts of very bad side effects and symptoms associated with estrogen. Um, so the question then becomes, how do you treat it? Now, we will talk about that, so, so bear with me. And, it, and it's actually fairly easy to treat, so we'll get to that point. But I want to talk just for a minute about the difference between estrogen dominance and low estrogen. So remember, if you fall into this category where you're just not really sure what is going on um, in your body, then what I would recommend is that you look up the best thing to do is get your hormones tested. But if you aren't sure, then you can look up the symptoms of high and low, of estrogen and progesterone, and then of thyroid. And this will probably give you the best idea as to what is going on in your body. But just be sure to remember, if you are younger, it's much more likely that you have estrogen dominance, which means too much estrogen, versus low estrogen, because low estrogen is much more common the older you get. So postmenopausal women, women in perimenopause and postmenopause, which starts at around, let's say, age 40. So age 40 and up, that tends to be low estrogen, you know, city type of stuff. And then less than 40 tends to be this higher estrogen slash estrogen dominance issue. And so I say here too, young women tend to experience the symptoms associated with high estrogen much more frequently than low estrogen due to issues such as PCOS, insulin resistance, and then exposure to certain chemicals, um, which interfere with estrogen receptors. So that's why young women tend to get 
those issues more than older women. But again, we're, we're focusing on low estrogen here, so let's stick to that. So let's talk about the causes real quick, um, because you could be one of those young women who, who is dealing with this issue, and, and we'll talk about how that can occur. Now, the number one cause of low estrogen has to be related to menopause. It's an age-related decline of, of ovarian function um, as a result of the reduction in eggs um, and age. Okay, And so if you are in menopause, what that means is that your ovaries are not producing estrogen or progesterone anymore, and those levels drop dramatically. So it's over time, all women will experience this. Um, another another semi-frequent, I would say, cause, especially if you're in that younger population, is severe caloric restriction from dieting. Okay, and you can get this from over-exercising as well, and reducing your calories. Um, but severe caloric restriction, such, such as starvation-related diets, those can cause changes to your sex hormones and really drop and interfere with your sex hormones. So this would cause a big problem in estrogen, um, and you can test for this. So if you fall into that category and you know that you've done some crazy diets in the past year, we're talk you'd, you'd have to hit a significant amount of, amount of dieting here to get to this point, but it's absolutely possible. Um, another thing that can cause that would be eating disorders as well. So anorexia or bulimia may also lead to premature low estrogen in women, um, which is the next one. We, we I wasn't looking and apparently we already talked about that one. So anorexia or eating disorders, again, we, the, that kind of piggybacks off of the severe caloric restriction. The other one is uh, excessive exercise. So this is this is not that common, but it can be seen in marathon runners and um, people that are in real, really athletic and they, um, they go for, basically what happens is your body, it takes a lot of energy to become fertile. Um, which means to produce eggs and to ovulate and to cycle back estrogen and progesterone. So the body, if it's under a, a lot of stress, which exercise is a stress on the body, uh, it will save energy for those things that it deems more important. So you really are not going to see your, your normal menstrual cycle and things like that if your body is in a state of, or it perceives that it's in a state of peril or distress. And so that may explain why uh, excessive exercise can lead to low estrogen. Um, of course, pituitary problems. So pituitary helps regulate, which is a... a a gland in your brain. Um, it helps regulate several hormone systems in your body, and estrogen is one of those uh, through FSH and LH. So um, any sort of pituitary problems, including tumors or trauma, can cause issues with estrogen down the line. And then another interesting one is a lack of sleep can cause an acute reduction in up to 60% of estradiol. So you can click on the studies to, to look at that. Um, but this isn't necessarily related to chronic sleep deprivation. This is more of an acute um, drop. So symptoms tend to go away if it's from lack of sleep, provided you can fix the sleeping issue. So that's a good thing. So testing for estrogen, whenever you do, testing for low estrogen, as I said before, is actually fairly straightforward. Um, low is low, okay? Um, and and there, are, there are gradients to what low is, um, but unlike other hormones, high is often difficult to diagnose because the reference range is just so wide. And so let's see if we can look here as an example. So estradiol here. So look at the, this is a this is a patient example. So I'm, I'm gonna be talking about this a little bit. But if you look at estradiol, which is down here, the actual result from this patient is less than 15. Okay, right away, no questions asked, you know that this is low. It's less than the, than the smallest amount that the test can obtain, and you're less than that amount. So you know right away that this is low. And I know from experience that this patient is a postmenopausal woman, and so that explains what is going on here. And by the way, a lot of postmenopausal women will fit into this category. Um, but, but low is low. But here, ch take a look at this. So the follicular phase says that the normal range is anywhere from, and this is a part of the menstrual cycle, so follicular mid-cycle mid, mid and then luteal phase, so 19 to 144, okay? So this, 
it's important to understand gradients because of this wide reference range. So what if, and I put I put the um, I put an example down here, but what if you are in the, the follicular phase, or let's put it this way, what if you feel like you have low estrogen, so you go and get your labs checked, um, and your doctor looks at it and says, no, you're actually within the normal range, even though you're low normal. Now, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't actually give you any useful information, because what you don't know is where you would be if all things were considered normal. So what that means is even though you're technically low normal, what if your true normal is somewhere closer to 100 or 110, but but now because you tested it because you've dieted or had these other issues, you're now you know coming up with a result that's 25 or 30. So technically you're normal, but you're low normal for your body. So that's why it's really important to have some sort of understanding of how these hormones fit and don't just take the value of your hormones at, at face value. It doesn't quite, it doesn't always uh, fit the picture. You have to understand the difference between optimal and normal if you want to create the big picture and put this all into context. Um, so, but that's usually not a big issue because like I said, most women who have, who are younger, who have those issues that I talked about, they tend to be dealing with high estrogen. Low estrogen is fairly easy to diagnose. In fact, uh, testing for it in a postmenopausal woman is not even necessarily helpful because you already know what they're going to be and they're going to look exactly like what you're seeing here. Progesterone 0 0.7, uh, which is less than 1, and then an estradiol of less than whatever is detectable. This is a classic presentation of a postmenopausal woman. Not all women, but a lot of women fall into this category. So if you're going to check for it, check estradiol, but it needs to be assessed in combination with serum progesterone. So remember I was talking to you, it's important to have the ratio between estrogen and progesterone as opposed to the absolute value of either. So in that way, this ratio is more important. And these two tests should always be assessed in conjunction with sex hormone binding globulin or SHBG. The reason for that is estradiol is one of two hormones, that and thyroid hormone, which influence the your SHBG. And SHBG, as, it's, as the name implies, it binds to sex hormones uh, such as testosterone, which can dramatically alter um, libido, muscle mass, weight, etc. So in this way, all of these hormones are really playing a role together. You can't just look at one in isolation. So get all those tests together. I didn't put an SHBG example here for you, um, but your doctor should know better than to just order, let's say, an estradiol by itself. It really needs to be ordered progesterone, estradiol, and SHBG um, all together. So um, is there a connection between low estrogen and weight gain? And the answer is absolutely. Um, so if you're stuck in the mindset that you think that weight gain is solely caused by changes in how much you consume and how much you exercise, that is, is simply not always the case. Um, and I'll give you a perfect example. Why is it that women gain on average 15 pounds when they hit menopause? Do you think it's more likely that all women are suddenly eating more um, and gaining weight? Or do you think it's more likely that estrogen plays a role in your body's ability to regulate its metabolism and its body fat and the drop in estrogen is resulting in an increased propensity to develop weight gain? The answer is definitely the latter. Um, and so let's talk about how that actually occurs. Or actually, let's talk about um, how to prevent it because because um, preventing it has to do with treatment um, and so on and so forth. The, how it occurs has to do with its impact on fat cells itself, which is not necessarily quite as interesting as how to prevent it. So the best way to prevent weight gain going into menopause is, is having hormone balance and having a normal weight prior to menopause. So if you are somebody who is actively in menopause and you're rapidly gaining weight, it's, it's not too late, but 
it's much better to go into menopause, you know, to, to look at your, to fix up your diet, to increase the amount that you're exercising, to check your thyroid and other hormones before you're going into menopause, because that makes it so much easier to treat. Um, the reason is once you get into menopause, doctors necessarily don't like to treat, um, with hormones, which is the, the way to treat it, um, even though they're very safe and effective. And so um, the best way to do it is to prevent it, unless, of course, you go to a specific hormone doctor, in which case that can help. Um, but that's fairly straightforward. So look, you can read some more here to talk about prevention of, of weight gain, but, but the answer is yes, low estrogen absolutely is associated with weight gain, and it has to do with um, its estrogen's impact on both metabolism um, and um, the breakdown of fat molecules. And again, that tends to be predominantly located in any weight gain tends to be predominantly located in the belly um, if it's associated with estrogen, low estrogen, I should say. Okay, so the last section here is how do you treat it? How do you fix this problem? And actually, it's it's a fairly fairly easy fix. Um, the treatment is bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, so HRT. Uh, there's a right way and a wrong way to do this, and so that's why I put specific emphasis on bioidentical um, hormone replacement therapy. So bioidentical meaning you're, you're replacing the hormones lost in your body with exact replicas um, that your body is used to. Uh, and that may sound intuitive, and you may say, well, duh, what else would you use? But <laughs> the, the problem is m many conventional physicians use synthetic hormones to treat this problem. And those synthetic hormones like, like Premarin and there's a bunch of other ones, um, they cause way more problems, they cause way more problems than they do uh, benefit. Um, and you'll probably recall if you are, uh, if you're an older woman, I shouldn't say older woman, if you're older than let's say 65 or so, you may recall that in the early 2000s there was, um, everyone was on Premarin and they were using this, which is, which is uh, estrogens from horse urine, um, from pregnant horses. And um, it was being studied and women were doing great. They were reversing all of the things that we talked about. They weren't having, you know, the weight gain. They weren't having uh, the risk of... Uh, bunch of these diseases were going down, bone density was increasing. However, they found that using this, um, these fake synthetic hormones increased their risk of stroke and heart disease. And so everyone said, whoa, whoa, never use hormones. And, and what they should have said is they should have looked at some of the other studies and, 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 and did some studies to differentiate between bioidentical hormones and those of fake synthetic hormones. Because if they would have done those studies, and they exist, by the way, I've linked to them here, um, but many of the doctors are stuck in this old line of thinking, um, and they assume that all hormones are dangerous. So it doesn't matter if it's bioidentical or if it's from horse urine or if it's whatever, synthetic, um, it's just as dangerous. And that's just not the case. So bioidentical hormones, if using, used correctly and at low doses, are very, very safe. So it would be our goal is to give you the, the smallest amount of hormone possible to reduce all of your symptoms, but not cause any um, increased risk of those issues that we talked about. And that's very possible to do um, by using combinations such as BIAS, which is um, an estriol, estradiol combination um, in various dosages. And that's very, very effective. I have many, many, many patients on that. Um, even my mom, um, and, and she does very well with this and she'll never go a day without it. She always freaks out if she gets even close to running out of her prescription, um, because of how it makes her feel. So anyway, HRT number one, we'll have to do an entire blog post on that because this is getting long already. And that is going to be a huge blog post as it, as it is by itself. The next thing that you can do, um, is use supplements. Okay. And so certain supplements can modulate uh, the receptor sensitivity to estrogen without necessarily impacting the absolute estrogen 
uh, value in your blood. So supplements such as flaxseed or black cohosh and evening primrose oil, these, these have all been shown in some studies, several studies actually, uh, to reduce the, the symptoms associated with estrogen. But again, they're not actually altering estrogen levels in the serum. Um, they're more of just altering how your body impacts, how the cells impact with these, with estrogen molecules. So you can use those supplements to reduce some of the symptoms as well. But the absolute best thing, um, the best thing that you can do is the bioidentical hormone therapy. And so I have a highlighted section here to talk about that. So doctors can alter the amount of estrogen that you receive based on the dose, the way that you take it, which is either transdermal, by mouth, vaginally, or through an injection, and the type of hormones that you take. So again, estradiol versus estriol versus bias, and the frequency with which you take it. So there are so many variables that your doctor can manipulate to get you feeling the way that you need to be feeling, get you back to that optimal level that you felt like when you were 20. That's the whole goal is to, to get you back to that level without causing any harm. And that is absolutely possible. Um, so that's pretty much it. That's, um, that's what I want to talk about. Low estrogen, uh, the symptoms associated with it, and then of course, how to treat it. So if you have any questions about this, if you, if you think that you're, you're experiencing low estrogen, um, the, the thing that you would want to do is go seek out a doctor um, that specializes in hormone balance. Seek out someone who will order the right test for you and someone that will listen to you, that they'll, they'll take seriously your complaints um, and they'll do their best to help you. And so you might have to search around to find a doctor like that, but the, the search will be worth it because, it, like I said, there's nothing, there's nothing better than, than feeling like yourself. Life is too short to feel crummy for, for even years. I mean, so, so take the steps necessary to find that so you can get back your life and, and improve your quality of life. So if you have any questions, leave them below. Um, these hormone topics uh, tend to be confusing, so, and I understand that. So if you have any questions, leave them below, and I will do my best to answer them. Also, if you have any um, comments or ideas on what type of topics you'd like to see me cover next, uh, let me know in the, in the comments below as well, and I'll, I'll do my best to get on those also. All right, that's it. Thanks, guys.